Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are. Happy December. <laughs> the end of the year. Uh, it's almost time for... Our anniversary. Three years, right? Four years? God, it feels forever. December of 19 to December of 2020 was one year. And then the December of 2020 to December of 2021 was two years. So then December of 2021 to December of 2022 was three years. So we're on four years. So we're entering our fifth year? Yeah, we're entering our fifth year of this podcast. Oh, jeez. Jesus Christ. <laughs> does, does, that make, does that make sense? Well, uh, how many? We're on, this is episode 208, right? This is literally the four-year episode. <laughs> Wait, no, Outrun was our four-year episode. Yes, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> what a way to celebrate four years of Classic Gaming Brothers by forgetting it was our four years. Had to release an episode about Outrun. That's great. Well, anyway, so this was the celebration of our fourth year of doing Classic Gaming Brothers. Maybe we'll celebrate it in January. Or, you know, maybe we'll celebrate it next year. <laughs> yeah, maybe we just won't celebrate. Zach, what have you been recently been playing? Seth, recently I played Delver, which I think I talked about before, but I can't remember. It gets updated so frequently. I feel like even if I have talked about it before, it might have changed fundamentally since the last time I talked about it. Delver is a game that I actually originally got as part of the Steam Early Access program back in 2013, but it was officially released in 2018. Like the game went full version in 2018. It was created by Priority Interrupt and is a first person roguelike where you explore a dungeon and look for treasure. Like other roguelikes, if you die, your character is permanently dead, but you are allowed to go back into the dungeon as a new character and try again. You do lose like all of your equipment, but you get new equipment and I believe you can keep your gold. In the game, your character is going into a dungeon to find a orb and to bring that orb back to the surface. It's this kind of 16-bit art style, despite being a 3D environment. So everything has this kind of like pixelated art style a little bit like minecraft not quite that level but it has like the doom style characters are all flat and stuff like that but overall it's, it's a very fun game i like the art style i like the aesthetic a lot when it comes to roguelikes i don't really spend a lot of time on them i usually play them when i'm like looking for a thing to play and i know i can get a few hours out of it or a couple minutes or like a half hour an hour out of it and i don't feel bad about dying because in roguelikes if you die it doesn't matter you come back and you do it again but in a different way and and I also like the fact that like the dungeon you're entering changes every time you go in. I think that's a neat little element. So yeah, that is Delver. You can pick it up on Steam. Uh, again, it's a great little game and it's certainly fun to play. Seth, what about you? What have you been recently playing? Uh, recently, I decided I wanted to return to the Gulf uh, and play some <laughs> Desert Strike, <laughs> but this time on DOS. So I think I chose the sound card because the way that I play it through ExoDOS, uh, it gives you the option to 
pick the sound card. I chose Sound Blaster and I think ultimately that was a poor choice because the noise for the helicopter was something that if I listened through the entire game of it, I would get tinnitus. However, I grabbed Mr. D, who's my co-pilot, and who loves to go crazy while shooting, and we flew out to go bring some American justice to some country that needed some freedom. Uh, we had to rescue some CIA operative, so along the way, not only did we go find the CIA operative, but we also blew up some airports and power stations and some radars. Ultimately, uh, whatever we needed to, we just lit it up. Anyway, Desert Strike's a great game, and it's a great game about flying a helicopter. I recommend playing it on the Genesis, though, if you can, or else you will also get tinnitus from the amount of the helicopter making clicking noises. Maybe use a better sound card? Possibly. I could try. I don't know if I could swap out the sound card or if I have to reinstall the game, but I think probably you can swap it out when you start it. Yeah, I feel like ExoDOS is good like that. Now, today's episode, we're going to kind of uh, deviate from our usual pattern of talking about a game and its history, and we're going to actually go back to an older pattern and talk about a bunch of games, but we're going to do so by talking about lost video games, lost media. We kind of talked a bit about like prototypes and stuff before, and we've talked about unfinished games, and we've talked about games that are like myths and stuff when we did our horror episode where we talked about like creepypastas. But this is a little different. We're talking about games that exist either in no form or exist in very little form. Despite many people's best attempts, in reality, uh, media in all forms does in fact go lost. Uh, This can be due to things like the source material being destroyed or because the only way to access that media is no longer available. So for example, PT, the game that was uh, originally released on the PS4, it was a like demo for an upcoming Silent Hill game that got canceled, was delisted, and the only way to play PT now is by buying a PS4 with a copy of PT already installed on it. You cannot get it any other way. PT is arguably not lost media as it is still technically available in some form, but it is virtually lost media in the sense that you can't just go to the game store and pick it up or download it whenever you want. Another example, though, would be 1927's London After Midnight. It was a film that was released, and currently no copy of it exists because there was an archive fire in 1965 in the MGM archives, and it burned a ton of film, including the last known copy of London After Midnight. Other times, though, lost media may exist in someone's private collection, and the release of it might be subject to rights issues, or there could be special agreements involved. So, for example, a lot of 1960s Doctor Who is lost, though some of it has been recorded covered and exists in private collection, and there are notably a couple episodes that are reportedly in a private collection, and the owner of this collection has been in talks with BBC, but BBC is being weird about it, so he hasn't officially released these items. And sometimes, media, which some people assume will never be found, does actually get found. Um, So we're going to talk about a bit of everything. Uh, We're actually going to go through three different categories. Fully lost games, as in games that are currently unplayable in any state. Partially lost games, as in games that may be playable in some state or enough material exists to prove that not only do they exist but they're also mostly around and found media games that exist and for the most part can be played to your heart's content also it's important to note there are thousands thousands of examples i got most of these from the lost media wiki and also through various other sources and uh just the lost media wiki alone on video games is like multiple pages long of every letter of the alphabet we're just going to go through a few some people might be familiar with some people might not be if you do want to hear more about lost media video games send us an email classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com who knows you might win a prize yeah lost media is interesting when especially when it comes to video games because i feel like 
a lot of it got lost or could have been lost because we didn't really have an archiving type of culture around video gamings until recently. Video games for a long time were really considered like toys and like toys disposable. You know, like you're not out there trying to like save like when it comes to toys arguably there are toys that you want to keep and because you kept them they become very valuable but you're not out there trying to keep every single power of the force figure out there in an archive right they just exist in the market and so when video games moved from being a toy to being a sort of a media i think an archiving culture kind of got built up and that's where now we are where we are there's games that may be lost forever because everyone threw it out and it's largely in thanks to websites like the cutting room floor the hidden palace zone and organizations like the video game history foundation which have done a lot of work in preserving these games and preserving games in general i mean some of the games that we will we'll talk about when we talk about found media were found by websites like the cutting room floor or hidden palace zone so we really have them to thank for those even being in some form of existence to start us off we're going to talk about some fully lost games and what better way to start it off than with our boy sonic one of the earliest games to feature sonic was actually a 1990 tokyo toy show prototype during the tokyo toy show in 1990 sega reportedly had a playable demo that featured sonic being able to run back and forth in a version of green hill zone the demo is notable by having some differences that we can see from screenshots that exist from the time these differences differences include Sonic Sprite being drawn a little differently. Enemies don't appear to be robots in the demo. Green Hill Zone is set at night and there are also a ton of mountains in the background. There is a welcome sign that says in English, you are welcome, never seen. I don't know what that means. <laughs> kind of spooky. And uh, at the end of the demo, at least it seems to be implied to be at the end of the demo, there is large Japanese text that reads, debut approaching. So it really is just a demo to show off the game. Yuji Naka, who was one of the creators of Sonic, stated that the demo did exist as a ROM and was playable, and he actually planned to include it on the GameCube version of the Sonic Mega Collection, but Sega lost the ROM and thus was unable to include it. So it's widely believed that the ROM may be in fact permanently lost, but who knows? When it comes to lost video games, especially the Sonic games, a lot of times people will just kind of come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, I have a cartridge that I got when I was working at this magazine and it has like a lost demo on it of a Sonic game. And that's how a different prototype for Sonic 1 was found. That's how some Sonic 2 prototypes have been found. Was there a demo for Nick Arcade too? Was that? That was from a like copy of the Nick Arcade demo that was with someone that was associated with the show there was a copy that was stolen of the sonic 2 beta that was released as a pirated copy and that's how we have that so there are ways that these things get out there the tokyo toy show version is a little differently what it seems to apply is there may have been only one version but who knows uh maybe they did send it around to people we just have not found it yet so at this time it is fully lost media and to stick with sonic for a bit the Sega Pico, um, which was a system that Seth and I haven't covered yet, we might as well do it someday, is a essentially Sega Genesis that's been retooled as a children's toy. The cartridges for the Sega Pico are storybooks. When you attach them into the system, the game boots up, and you have to flip the page of the storybook to interact with the game itself. Sonic did have a few games that were released for the Pico, Tales in the Music Maker, and Sonic's Game World, but one game that was announced and not released was Sonic. 
Sonic Jr. Not much is known about this game. There's been no screenshots. There's been no images, no synopsis. Some people don't even believe it's real. It's believed to have been a game that would have featured younger Sonic. So as the game may or may not exist, it is definitively lost media because unless we get like word from Sega that's like this game did not exist. We swear like, you know, on Sonic shoes, this game <laughs> never existed. We don't know. It was announced in some magazine as like an upcoming game for the Pico. And that's all we know. Now moving off from Sonic and going on to other properties. Uh, yeah, yeah, Beavis won. Uh, an interesting uh, case is the game uh, may not actually be lost but rather just a poor translation. Basically, the story behind Yeah Yeah Beavis 1 is that in a June 1989 listing for the video game service Play It Again, a game appears just below WrestleMania and just above Xenophobe. This game is Yeah Yeah Beavis 1. I believe it was just called Yeah Yeah Beavis. <laughs> no, it has, it has the Roman numeral 1 next to it. Oh, that's fun. The game has a projected price point of $33.95, and the listing remained until January 1990. Since then, there have been numerous theories on what this game was. One theory is that it was a uh, copyright trap. Now, copyright traps are intentional mistakes or fictional elements added to things like maps or other resources that are intended to mess up with what would be copyright cats. This happens everywhere, including video games and maps. <laughs> the idea is that if someone were to copy your material entirely, you can look for the trap you left and prove that they stole it from you. Like you could put a fake grain silo in a map. And then if you saw someone else release a map and there was a fake grain silo, you knew that they stole that map from you. And some people believe that this is what Yeah Yeah Beavis 1 was and may have been a copyright trap placed there by Play It Again. Another theory posits that it could be a placeholder, maybe a fill-in-a-blank space in the listing. Another theory suggests that it could be an inside joke. There are also two games that are believed to be contenders for the real Yeah Yeah Beavis 1. One game, Rai Rai Konshin's Baby... Kenyoshi's no Amida Daibuken. The belief is that Rai Rai may have been unintentionally translated as yeah, yeah, and Beavis was taken from Baby. Rai Rai was never released in the U.S., and it's possible that Play It Again listed it as the list also contains the names of other import titles. The other theory is that the game is Super Pitfall 2, an unreleased sequel to Super Pitfall. This comes from Nintendo Age user Luigi Master, who noticed that the romage for what sounded like Beavis translates to the BB when Luigi Master looked it up. The BB redirected him to Bibe, a surname of an American explorer, and he believes that the Roman numeral one may have been a typo. It's a that's a reach. <laughs> that's that's a reach. I didn't even understand what the reach was. Well so basically the Romaji, which is like the, the Japanese text. Yes, yeah. He was trying to find what the Romaji for what the sound of Bebus would be. Bebus isn't a word anywhere. <laughs> so he was trying to look up like Bebebis or something like that. And he found something and he put it into Google Translate and it said like the Bible or something. And then when he went to the dictionary and looked up the Bible, it said, do you mean baby? And that was a surname of an American explorer. So his theory is that it was a reference, the American explorer to Super Pitfall 2. 
That's not that's not that's not the case. Um, in 2021, a user of the Lost Media Wiki was able to contact one of the founders of Play It Again, who did state that Play It Again did in fact employ copyright traps in their listings. However, they didn't clarify whether Yeah Yeah Beavis was one of them. <laughs> and copyright traps could also be very simple. They could just be misspellings, which people have noted that Play It Again does occasionally have typos in their listings. So those could have been the copyright traps. Yeah, yeah, Beavis 1 is Lost Media. Yeah, yeah, Beavis 2 is not Lost Media. It is found media. Well, actually, it was created media because the uh, YouTuber, John Riggs, uh, developed and created Yeah, yeah, Beavis 2. I feel like mostly because of the whole Yeah, yeah, Beavis 1 controversy. I mean, 100%, yeah. yeah. And it, uh, the art style for Yeah, yeah, Beavis 1 is based on the Rai Rai Kyonchi's style. So thanks to John Riggs, uh, we have Yeah, yeah, Beavis 2, but we don't know if we'll ever have a Yeah, yeah, Beavis 1. John Jumping back a few years to the Atari 2600, as we discussed, it's packed with games, some good and some bad, and one of those games that may have hit the market was a 1983 game called The Incredible Hulk, based on, in fact, the comic series, The Incredible Hulk, and it was developed by Parker Brothers. The game was advertised in a few magazines, and it was included in a listing next to the game Spider-Man, which was released by Parker Brothers for the 2600. However, it was canceled because 1983 was, of course, the video game crash, and a lot of people had to cancel projects. A few screenshots of the game did exist, and some promotional material, box art, and an ad was placed in a few catalogs, but for why I thought this was interesting was that in 2014, an Atari age user named Named Air Games reported that he had purchased a copy of the game from a collector and that he would dump it when he received it. Then it turned out he was scammed. Well, if you find an Incredible Hulk out there for an Atari 2600, you may be in for a lot of moolah. The next game was Dragon King, the fighting game. We also need to talk about Super Smash Brothers at some point in time. And when we do, we'll talk about Dragon King, the fighting game again. Dragon King, the fighting game was a fighting game that was being developed for the N64. The game was being developed by HAL Laboratory, specifically under the guidance of Satoru Wada and Masahiro Sakurai. It would have featured four players simultaneously on the screen and a percentage system that would determine how the player reacts to being hit by another player, like another game that's on the N64. In the only existing footage of the game, the players appear to be human stick figures, and behind them is Mount Fuji, and the percentage meters are using a very unfinished-looking font. During the development, it was decided that they would retool the game to feature Nintendo characters, and thus Super Smash Brothers was born. As the original game was no longer needed, it was scrapped, and thus has been lost. It's believed that the moveset and design of the figures were reincorporated into Captain Falcon for the final game. So Captain Falcon, the guy who drives in F-Zero, would get the uh, move sick of a uh, stick figure, which is great. Arguably, he doesn't have a move set. <laughs> He's just kind of like punches, and then he does his. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, if you t if you didn't if you didn't give him the move set of these stick figures, what would he do? Oh, not much. Now, getting into our partially lost media. Um, this is interesting stuff as it portions of the game might still be unobtainable and some portions may in fact be forever unobtainable as a couple of examples we'll talk about but overall the game may be playable in some form. Starting off we have a couple of examples from the Satella view. BS Legend of Zelda and BS Super Mario Collection. BS Legend of Zelda was a remake of the first Legend of Zelda and was released exclusively on the Satella view through a subscription service that St. Giga Radio Service offered. The Satella view games were 
were broadcast during certain weeks, with portions of the game being playable during that time. These portions existed as episodes of these games, and the software would be erased after the period was over. BS Legend of Zelda would have also featured real-time narration during certain periods of time, which would not be stored in the game's ROM data at all, it was actually broadcast differently through a different system, and this would be impossible to save. The only way people have been able to preserve the actual games is by stumbling upon Satellaview systems and cartridges that weren't erased. For BS Legend of Zelda, it was initially broadcast during the month of August 1995 and rebroadcast in September, October, and November of 1995 and January of 1997. The only known dump of the original broadcast is from week three. Weeks one, two, and four are completely missing. However, as week three was saved and recordings of the other weeks exist, fans were able to recreate the other weeks, essentially finishing the ROM and having all four weeks. However, these are not the original weeks as the game was designed, these are fan recreations, and also these recreations completely lack the time mechanic and completely lack the narration. BS Super Mario Collection is another example, very similar history in the sense that it was broadcast over a couple of weeks and only one version of it exists, that of week three. However, week two's data has been scrapped from week three, so we do have some idea of what week two was like. Footage of the other weeks, though, can be watched. They are posted on YouTube. Because people back then, fun fact, like to record playing video games. Oh, which yeah. Which people do today, but back then they did it with tape. There's a great YouTuber, GameSack, who talks about his childhood and how his friends would record them playing their video games and bringing tapes to him so that he could play the tapes back to see how video games on a system he didn't own played. <laughs> I feel like I'm in that age where I'm just a little younger than the guys who did that, so I didn't do that. Yeah. Honestly, like, I grew up where, like, that could have been going on, but I didn't have the wherewithal, I guess, to be like, oh, you could make me a videotape and I can watch that game. Like, I just would be like, either I, I could... Effort. Yeah, like, I would either play that game at your house, or I wouldn't play that game. <laughs> Even better was when I was a kid, we would just make stuff up about video games that we played. We'd be like, I found Luigi in Super Mario 64. Now, RuneScape has an interesting example as RuneScape and RuneScape Classic currently exist and are able to be played. However, RuneScape has been available since 2001 and has been updated weekly since 2001. That's 20 years of updates that have made changes, tweaks, and adjustments to anything from art assets to gameplay. From 2001 to 2012, developers of RuneScape did not do any systematic backups of their versions. That sounds like I would fit right in with <laughs> developers. I like the idea that they were like, all right, let's push it live. And then they're like, did you back it up? No. <laughs> sounds like stuff I do. Now, this meant though, because they didn't do any systematic backups, that once the game was patched with the new version, that old version was effectively gone. Kind of like the ship of Theseus. Which you right. <laughs> you replaced every part of the ship of Theseus. Is it truly the ship of Theseus still? What is love if not RuneScape persisting? <laughs> That's right. Now, however, from 2001 to 2003, RuneScape would cache data to your 
local computer. Because of this, there is surviving data from those periods people have found on their hard drives. So RuneScape stopped this process after 2003 and cached files differently, making 2003 RuneScape through 2005 RuneScape completely lost, with some exceptions, such as a, a few dates through 2004. The Lost Media Wiki actually has a log of the update dates and whether or not they've been found or if they are lost. Is it longer than, isn't RuneScape still existing today? Oh yeah, yeah. You could still play it today. And there's two versions of RuneScape. There's RuneScape HD and RuneScape Classic, which is technically, RuneScape Classic is technically RuneScape 2 because of the major updates they made back in the early 2000s were so big. RuneScape is a wild game. That's also one we should probably talk about at some point. Uh, the last partially found game that we're going to talk about is Akira. Akira is considered probably one of the best animated films. It's the 1988 cyberpunk classic, which was actually brought into the world of video games in a Famicom game that was released the same year that the movie came out. However, another game was in development for the Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, Atari Jaguar, and Sega CD. This version did not get released and was in fact canceled. Reportedly, one of the developers of the SNES version of the game had stated that THQ had made some incredibly impossible demands that they wanted to have incorporated into the final project, which caused the lead programmer of the game to leave. Jim Gregory, a developer on the project, stated that the SNES version was never physically produced. ROMs were sent via modem to THQ for them to assess and review. THQ Mastering Labs tech Ryan Arnold believes that the ROM was likely given to the license holders at the end of production. So they worked on the game, the game got cancelled, they probably took the ROM, put it on a floppy, gave it to the license holders, and those license holders probably lost it. In 2019, the website The Hidden Palace revealed that a cartridge containing the Sega Genesis version was found. The ROM was dumped online and the game is available to be played. The game is interesting as it does show you the type of gameplay modes that would have existed. And it's kind of unique in the sense that there are multiple gameplay modes. There is a first-person segment, a side-scrolling adventure segment, racing segments, and flying segments. The first-person segments are when, I believe the character of Tetsuo is in a hospital, and then the adventure segments are with another character who's exploring like the sewers. It's interesting. They really did some cool things with this game. It's unfortunate it didn't come out, but you can definitely see that it is not complete. Some of the graphics are missing. Um, some things aren't yet polished. Some of the gameplay is a little slow in some places. They probably could have tweaked it a bit. It's definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of the Sega Genesis or Akira and you just kind of want to see what could have been. And now we're going to get into uh, found media, where these are games that had been thought to be lost, but somehow they were found in, in various different ways. And we're going to start it off with a game called Gayblade, a game that was released in 1992 that was a fairly unique game as it was one of the earliest LGBTQIA plus themed games. You play as a member of that community and fight homophobic and transphobic people to save Empress Zelda. The final boss of the game is Pat Buchanan. This is fascinating because this is a game that was released in the 90s where this community was not really well received. The game was developed by Ryan Best who reported that when he released it he was constantly bombarded with phone calls asking him for interviews. Best had believed that he had lost all copies of the game when he had moved from Hawaii to San Francisco. He had been looking for copies of the game online but was not coming up with any sources. In 2019 during the development of the documentary series High Score the production team of the documentary enlisted the help of the LGBTQ video game archive to seek out any footage or copy of that game. During post-production the team learned that a copy had been shown during the closing events of Rainbow Arcade which is an exhibit at the 
Schwulz Museum in Berlin. Best had also found a copy before the Rainbow Arcade fully closed and got to working archiving it. The game is now available on the Internet Archive and can be downloaded and played. Now, one of the reasons it was thought to be fully lost, you might be thinking, well, if people played it, wouldn't they have copies? The game was exclusively distributed via BBSs, so there were no physical copies of the game to be distributed. Best was really hoping that someone, in fact, copied that floppy and had a copy sitting somewhere. But yeah, and he did end up finding it, which I think is great. Another game that was believed to be lost, but unfortunately someone found it, that we touched upon briefly in our CDI episode was Super Mario Wacky Worlds was intended to be a sequel to Super Mario World exclusive to the CDI. The game was canceled. The prototype was believed to be lost. Unlike in other Mario games, this would have been set in the real world with stages themed on ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, and ancient Aztec culture. At some point around 2002, a user named Older Games leaked a prototype ROM. That version is available to be played, but it's really unplayable. Uh, The gameplay hasn't been fully implemented. It's very rudimentary. You can jump on some enemies. Occasionally it will crash the game if you do so. It's just ultimately an unfinished product, but it does exist in some form. So it is what we would consider fully found because the game was canceled before it was finished. So it's what we have. Now back to our boy Sonic. Sega Sonic Bros is a puzzle game that was developed by Sega. The game failed its location test, so it was ultimately unreleased. In February of 2016, an arcade board collector named Shoetime discovered a working prototype and made it playable at the California Extreme event in July of 2018. In November of that year, an arcade dumper named the guru was able to get a hold of the game and despite being threatened by members of the community he released the game in december he also released a driver to recompile mame to allow support of the game the game is a puzzle game where you have square pieces that have tiny multicolored sonics in them when you match certain colors in a certain way you'll be able to clear them from the board and game points the rom was also ported from the sega system c2 the arcade board to the genesis so you can play sonic bros on the sega In fact, if you have an EverDrive, you could take the Genesis ROM that was ported and put it on that and play it on the original hardware. Yeah, which I've done. It's a pretty fun little port and it's a pretty fun little game. But it wasn't fun enough to uh, get released. Yeah, no, it uh, it failed its location test and they only apparently location tested it in one place. So uh, maybe Sega just didn't care that much. They they tested it in Knuckles World. Yeah, exactly. Now we're actually going to talk about two last games. They're kind of together as the person that found them was the same person and found the games around the same time. This is Mean Girls for the Nintendo DS and Clueless for the Nintendo DS, both of which are movie tie-in games based on movies of the same name. They're kind of an interesting example of found media as one of the ROMs, the Clueless ROM is available to be downloaded. The Mean Girls ROM, it exists. It is not available to be downloaded. So a YouTuber named Raymona put out these documentaries where she went through the process of how she uncovered these games. They're games that she'd always wanted to play and games that she was interested in playing and learning more about. And she did the research and reaching out to the employees of the company and various other people connected to these games. She was able to actually come into possession of ROMs for both of the games. The ROM for the Clueless DS 
game was put online. It was archived. But the reason that the ROM for the Mean Girls game remains unreleased is due to an agreement between the YouTuber and the person who provided her the ROM. Basically, the person said, I will give you this ROM so that you can play it and that you can stream it if you want. But the sole rule is that you cannot release it because this person feared potential legal backlash. <laughs> she did share some gameplay footage of the ROM and even played up to a sequence in the ROM for Mean Girls that caused the game to crash, though she was able to have a programmer work on the game a bit and patch out this error. Ray Mona was also able to uncover a couple other pieces of lost media. She's really been a major factor in some recent finds. She found the pilot for the lost American version of the TV show Sailor Moon, which would have had a similar vibe to it as Power Rangers in that certain segments would have featured the characters in live action as Americans just doing their thing and certain segments would have been animated. She also found the lost American adaptation of the anime, Saint Seiya, uh, which went by some like Guardians of the Cosmos or something. Uh, so those are some pieces of lost media, some found media, some partially found media. Those exist out there and may not exist in the case of Yaya Bebus 1. If this is a topic that you're interested about, certainly let us know and we could dive even deeper and talk about some even more obscure titles that are lost. Let me tell you, a lot of Flash games are missing. There is like an article on every Flash game that is not able to be played anymore, and it is mm. depressing. Now, to get into our retro rewind, Seth had me play a game which is not lost, Spy Hunter for MS-DOS. Spy Hunter was released for the arcade in 1983 and on the NES in 1987, it was subsequently ported to various other systems at the time. Again, I played the DOS version. It's a vehicular combat game where you drive down a street in a car going pretty fast and you shoot other cars. In the NES game, which I also played, you go very fast. In the DOS game, you go very slow. That's why I wanted you to play it. This may have because I set it to novice mode, though I think the game is also just very slow. <laughs> also, another problem I had with the game was that the key bindings did not make sense to me. I couldn't find how to go forward. The card was automatically going forward, but I couldn't find how to speed up. To turn left, I think I pressed J. To turn right, I think I pressed L or the colon. And then to fire, I pressed the number one. <laughs> I was very confused and I couldn't find a way to rebind to them because back then you didn't do that. And I uh, I didn't quite enjoy the DOS version. I do enjoy the NES version. Ultimately, I think Spy Hunter for DOS does not hold up. For other systems, I think it does hold up. Next week, Seth, I want you to play Sim Earth. Okay. Zach had me play Star Tropics for the NES where you play as Mike Jones, who's an ace pitcher. However... You would expect him to use some sort of baseball in the game? No. He uses a yo-yo to fight enemies because that makes sense. But don't worry, things make more sense because you have to find your Uncle Steve who's gone missing because he was kidnapped by aliens. You have to explore this island and go through dungeons. It's kind of like if Legends of Zelda starred an ace pitcher who used a yo-yo to fight enemies and was a little more linear and it was not as open world. So uh, you have to kill all these different monsters and explore these dungeons. After about stage three or four, it starts to get to be a little bit more difficult. However, unlike Zelda 2, it auto saves at the beginning of the dungeons so if you die you go to the beginning of the dungeon instead of the beginning of the game which makes me so much happier it's a unique tough 8-bit adventure game that i would recommend it if you like uh zelda style games uh and you want to play zelda just a little weird <laughs> next week zach you can play mario is missing for the super nintendo to cool. be themed with our lost episode or lost or lost episodes that's the puzzle episode our lost video games that's fun i like that now, remember the, we, classic gaming brothers has a lost media we have two we do what was the other one about 
I don't remember. It wasn't that important. Well, puzzle games wasn't that important, but it certainly lives in my memories is lost. So anyway, folks, thanks for listening. If you want to listen more, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're available on all of the different applications. You can also write to us if you want to try to recover a Classic Gaming Brothers lost episode or have some lost media you wish to send us, preferably not spam or viruses. You can send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. Finally, you can follow us on all of our social medias on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. We're at Classic Gaming Brothers. And Twitter, we're CG Brothers Pod. And also on Blue Sky as CG Brothers Pod as well. And I think that's everything. Zach, am I missing something? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. I've been Seth. And we have been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Thank <laughs> you.